Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Sixteen drivers woke up with a shot at the championship. Only 12 will go to sleep tonight with that dream still intact. Elimination Sunday is about to begin. Side by side, green flag in the air. We're racing at the Roval. This is the first time these guys have been on the racetrack with this many cars. Wedding present for Kyle Larson and Caitlin. Stage one win. This battle between these playoff guys is unreal. Oh, oh, Keselowski and the 78 of Mark Trex Jr. are around. Ryan Blaney is going to win stage two. The three has hit the wall again. Going around goes the 10. 37 of Busher also involved. Taking some of the advertisement with him. And too hard through one. Keselowski, Larson both into the wall. They pile up. The fight for the win. Mark Trex Jr., Jimmy Johnson. Now he goes to the inside. The Roval delivered. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody, presented by Mobile One. Carol Amano alongside our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. We have our crew chief, Steve Letart, joining us as well from Charlotte. This was a great weekend overall in motorsports. The debut of the Roval, you had Chase Briscoe's first Xfinity win. Haley Deegan made history in the k Pro Series. She is going to join us today on the show. Let's start, though, DJ, with the key moments of the race. I think we need to start. With the restart with six laps to go here, Brad Kozlowski and Kyle Busch should be done for the day after this. Yeah, uh, these drivers hadn't been in this position. Older tires on a restart. We thought some action might happen down in turn one. We actually thought they might get to turn one before <laughs> the action started. But my gosh, did this really change things? Uh, Brad Kozlowski looked like he might go uh, in there and win, but wasn't going to happen. We spot shadow Ryan Blaney because he was able to make it through there. But this is the incident that everybody was talking about, 16 and 17. Yep, Jimmy Johnson saw an opening there. Martin Truex looked like he was giving him one side there. Jimmy tried to drive it in there and get what he could. Just got the car wheel hopping as he spun through the turf there. Uh, he caught the back of the 78 and uh, Ryan Blaney was there to uh, take advantage of that. And then I guess Kyle Watson, have you ever heard better late than never? Well, that's <laughs> what he did here. But it was a pro that he got there. Rutledge Wood almost beat him out there to interview Ryan Blaney then whenever he got across the line. But that one point making that pass was important. We'll talk more about that. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to get into. Ryan Blaney going on to win the second of his career. So he entered Sunday just four points above the cut line. He advances to the round of 12. Of course, Jimmy Johnson finishing in eighth after that collision in the final turn with Martin Truex Jr. That was not enough. His bid for a record eighth title over for this season, at least. Here's where some of the other playoff drivers fared on Sunday, including Kyle Larson with, to DJ's point, what may be the ugliest yet most rewarding 25th place finish he'll ever have. He is moving on and so is Ryan Blaney, who seemed as stunned as the rest of us in our burnout interview with Rutledge Wood. I didn't expect that. Um, sometimes it's better to be a little bit of luck on your side and, um, you know, we, we put ourselves in that spot, though, so I can't thank uh, the 12 group enough for sticking with it all weekend. It was a long weekend and Tough weekend and just kind of avoided some stuff. And, uh, you know, you hate to see two guys 
get into it there and take each other out. Two of the best cars all day, but you know that's racing sometimes. And, and luckily, we were just in the right spot at the right time. And um, cool to be in victory lane. And move on to the next round. Thank you all the fans for coming. Did you guys like it? Good. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Rutledge. Could you see on that chicane, where did you realize, oh, man, I, I got a shot at this? Um, so I couldn't really see them when they got in the chicane. I just saw a bunch of smoke, and um, there was some smoke the lap before, and I saw them really, really close to each other in, in the oval track, and I was like, yeah, hey, might, something might happen. You just, um, you know, you're not really hoping something will happen. You're just thinking that something's going to happen, and uh, when I saw both of them spinning, I almost wrecked trying to gas up to <laughs> beat both of them to the line, but... Um, like I said, just in the right spot, the right time. Uh, thank you, Pennzoil, Menards, Body Owner, PPG, uh, Dex, everyone who helps out in this thing. This is a pretty, pretty cool. And uh, excited to move on to the next round, man. This is cool. <laughs> the fans got a show on Sunday, no doubt about that. Kyle Busch, Kozlowski, Blaney all through to the round of 12 with wins, nine others through on points. All four Stuart Haas drivers and all three Penske drivers still in the hunt. But the real drama involved those final two spots claimed by Larson and Almirola. Larson, Almirola, and Johnson all finished the round of 16 tied on points. And Larson's runner-up at Las Vegas gave him a tiebreaker over both Eric Almirola and Jimmy Johnson. And then Almirola's fifth-place finish at Richmond, trumping Johnson's pair of eighth-place finishes. So that is how the seven-time champ was essentially eliminated. You know, Steve, it's a lot to process. Incredible to watch on Sunday. And the fact that the last three laps of this race had such a dramatic effect on the playoffs is incredible. Carolyn, I've never been more overloaded in my life than trying to look out the window at Charlotte and try to figure out what battle I was supposed to watch because the last three laps had drivers changing spots racing each other to try to determine who is in the playoffs. So the best way to do it is let's go through them. Let's take a little snapshot. This is what it looks like as the field comes to the restart. Jimmy Johnson plus 11, Blaney plus 11. They're feeling pretty good. We're showing one below the cut line because the three of Austin Dillon's already retired. We know only one of these drivers is going to be eliminated. And at this point, it's Eric Amrol. He was involved a little bit in that accident. They had made some repairs and are starting towards the back. And remember Kyle Larson, he's four above, but he has heavy, heavy damage. So if we go to the replay, this is coming to the start, and you see Martin Trex Jr. He gets a great start, Jimmy Johnson as well, but there are so many other cars to watch. It wasn't just the race for the lead. Look at the traffic behind the leaders, and in that traffic, the 88 of Alex Bowman, who's racing for his playoff hopes. The 14 of Clint Boyer has not been guaranteed in yet. So Alex Bowman continues to battle, continues to fight his car. Not as good in the restart. It starts to get better as the lap continues. And let's not forget Ryan Blaney, the eventual race winner. He had to pass some cars to put himself in position to win the race. And behind all of that, Eric Amarola, fresh off pit road with new tires, tape all over the car. And look at this. This is not easy. This is a difficult racetrack. It was difficult to pass. But Eric Amarola basically bullied his way through the back of this field to gain the points. But every time we came back by the start-finish line, DJ, the points changed. So now let's take a look. This is two to go. Poor Jimmy Johnson, DJ. He hasn't lost any spots, but he's losing points. Yeah, that's the main thing is he didn't have anywhere to gain points. He could win the race possibly, which he was later going to try to do. But Eric Almirola had cars that he could pass, even though he had damage. And we saw Ryan Blaney doing a great job. And you pointed out he was a part of that accident yeah. uh, on that lap six. Picked or up a little bit of damage. Yeah. yeah. So he was driving the heck out of his car. Unbelievable how all of this changed in just one lap around this uh, Roval. Yeah, now we have five miles to go. The field comes under the start-finish line, gets two to go. And the highlight reel continues because 
As we saw, it was beating and batting all the way to the end, and Eric Amarola still shoving his way through traffic. The radio was on fire. The crew chief telling him they had to have all of these spots, and he was doing a nice job. And I don't think Alex Bowman had any idea how important this pass into the backstretch chicane was over his teammate Chase Elliott because Almirola, he continues to battle. How about this move? I didn't see anyone pass cleanly through here. I wouldn't say this is cleanly, but it was effective. He got a position off the 13, and now he's going to fight to the inside. And at the same time, the 42 doing a nice job. Remember, he doesn't have to make minimum speed. He just has to run three laps. He did that. He was successful. So when they took the white flag, Ryan Blaney looks good. Jimmy Johnson continues to lose points. But then it's who is going to end up. The 42, the 10, the 88, they were all tied. The last two and a quarter miles, DJ, was about all I could stand. Yeah, and Kyle Larson had no car to be doing anything with. I was you can see say, that, look right? Look at there. his car. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I don't even know how he got it off pit road, but he's got himself in a position there to see what might transpire in this final lap. And let's be clear when that final lap started, Alex Bowman was eliminated. He was the driver that was not going to have a seat at the table in the round of 12. But much like the other 108 laps, the 109th lap, it was full of highlights. We showed you the start of this pass. Now Eric Amarola goes down to turn one, which we didn't think was a great passing zone, and he fights his way past Daniel Suarez. And I love how these non-playoff drivers, they're not just giving up. They are fighting. Denny Hamlin, he gets in the back of McDowell, and this is right in front of the 10. Look at this. Through the smoke shows Eric Amarola. He almost lifts too much and lets Suarez back by. Luckily, he gets back in the gas. And while this was happening at the back of the field, we all know what was happening at the front of the field. Jimmy Johnson with a move that I appreciate, going for the win, spins out, heading into turn four, he was seven points up. Coming out of the chicane with the penalty, he loses all seven points, goes into a tie. At this point, he's still in. How does Jimmy Johnson get eliminated? If you can believe it, it's all the way back here. Eric Amarola makes it to the start-finish line. Who would have ever thought that this point of Jeffrey Earnhardt getting spun out by the eight, we go on board with Jeffrey Earnhardt. You're going to see, he's look, he's running the switches. He wants to restart. He's trying to get his car going and then comes into sight. DJ, the wounded, battled 42 car. <laughs> oh, he blows a tire coming off of, of what is the oval of turn four. So he's into the wall there. He gasses it up here. Can't make the car turn. Let's just hit the wall one more time. But he thinks he's got a video. He's in the simulator. Hey, these things finish the races in those. And he doesn't even go 20 feet past the, the start-finish line. But it took all of that to put him in a position to get through to the next round. Unbelievable. Carolyn, three races, numerous passes, six stages, playoff points from the regular season. And in the end, it comes down to a tiebreaker between three drivers there's nothing like this playoff system but dj this is what a lot of our analysts have been saying all along yeah. right that everything matters with this format with this playoff format every single pass every single point every single position it's all for purpose and this was just textbook well we we're trying to give the fans what they want more passing and make every position make a difference throughout the entire race and this doesn't come down we showed the last three laps there but there were two races before this that you had opportunity there was even in this race, there were two stages that you could have gathered one more point, one more position, one pass to make the difference. And we're not just talking to build things up. It literally, this is a proof right here that every position, every race, every lap makes a difference. See, well, not just, oh, sorry, Carolyn. I was going to say it's just not every position. I want to take a minute and applaud the 42 team. Yeah. Because the preparation they had to get that car back on the racetrack Remember, the rules are very difficult in this damaged vehicle policy. The time is very limited. You're not allowed to add parts. 
So the teams have had to adapt, Carolyn. They've had to figure out how to fix the car. David Bryant is the car chief on this 42. He orchestrated a repair with his pit crew to somehow make three laps. Speed wasn't important, but it had to run, and it had to run for about seven and a half miles, and they did it. Let's take a look at it. I think we have it. Yeah, just an incredible job by this entire team to put this thing back together. Well, when you saw this sitting back there on the backstretch uh, under the red flag conditions, they cleaned things up. You were looking more at the right front and all the damage that there was to this car. There was just no way that he could go out there and get around the racetrack. And you can see the tire wasn't going to last very long. Uh, it was only uh, by Jeffrey Earnhardt getting spun there, trying to make one more spot on the last lap of the race and Larson just figuring out a way to get this thing through you can see uh, I, I very few times have you seen a car that looks like that is going to make a difference of getting through into the playoffs the next round of the playoffs Steve I know you used to be a crew chief were you taking heartburn medication or anything while you were calling the race I can't imagine what that must have felt like I for had, you. Uh, you know the Tums heartburn corner well I was <laughs> yeah. thankful because there was a lot of Tums involved and I was impressed because the crew chiefs, you mentioned the 42 coming into picture destroyed. Well, the radio, Chad Johnson's on the radio telling his driver, we have to have that point. Amazed how composed those crew chiefs are and how their math. I mean, their calculators, they, I hope they got a day off today because they worked <laughs> overtime on Sunday. I know. I'm glad we had you on the show today because I've never <laughs> claimed to be a math major. A lot to unpack from today's uh, elimination race at the Robo from over the weekend. Coming up, more on Jimmy Johnson's decision to go for the win instead of playing it safe. Is he second-guessing himself today? You actually might be surprised to hear the answer to that. Johnson paid a price for his decision, and so did Martin Truex Jr., the defending Cup Series champion, less than pleased afterwards. Four days after getting married, Kyle Larson counting his blessings for another reason. More on the dramatic final laps from Sunday. Plus, we are joined by Haley Deegan, who became the first woman to win in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series this weekend, all on the way right here on NASCAR America. We're just getting started. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. They say the spotlight is bigger in Texas Sunday night. The Cowboys and the Texans, both teams won on field goals as time expired yesterday. Football night in America, 7 Eastern with kickoff at 820. That is Sunday night only on NBC. This is the first time they've been on old tires on restarts. The first time at this racetrack, you just don't have a reference to go by. When they go in there and you pass the brakes and the car starts sliding, that's it. Tight left, tight left. And the game has changed for Kyle Larson. You see him sitting in the car, despondent right now. That was a real turning point. That moment changed yeah. absolutely everything, like Marty said. From there, let's listen to Jimmy Johnson's radio and the communication between the seven-time champion and his crew chief, Chad Canals, as those final laps unfolded. We're eight points to the good to transfer. Two laps to the good on fuel. By the time we get going green here, we think. Should be pretty good shape here to go after this thing. Uh, but we're 22 points to the good. I apologize for that scare there. 22. They had a little mixed up here on our sheet. I couldn't tell where everybody was, what they do with the 88. If he gets to roll back up there, it'll change again. I'll see you posted. 
Going green this time. Simple. Let's get those rear tires warmed up there, bud. Going to have three laps to go when you take the flag here. Three. And currently right now, 12 points to the good. Best we can figure with the way everything's shuffled out. Now out front, can Martin Trex Jr. hang on to win? Or will Jimmy Johnson snap the 51 race? Winless streak. Those two side by side. Three laps to go from the Charlotte Roval. Jimmy Johnson still has about eight car lengths to catch the 78. Coming to two to go. Still out front, the 78 of Martin Trex Jr. Go get his ass. They reminded me about this chicane. You want me to remind you? He knows what to do. Let him be. Coming to one to go. Nothing out fast. Now the race for the win on the right side. I think Jimmy Johnson has enough points. He can push the issue right here. We had a lot of people have problems. Now he goes to the inside. Here comes Jimmy Johnson. Oh! Locks the brakes up. Oh, he's and he's going to slide. He slides through the middle. Truex gets oh, tagged. Make sure you stop up here. There stop. Get up there and stop it. Go again. Stop. Go again. Go again. Check flag. 78 is coming pretty hard, man, in your mirror. He's in your mirror. He's going to crash you. Did we transfer? According to this right now, we transferred by one, according to this. We'll see how it all shakes up. No. Ah, no. I don't think so. Hey, we're tied. Three-way tie. I don't think we transfer, but damn it. With that finish, Jimmy, you are officially out. You will not move on to the next round. Describe for us coming to 15, knowing that there was one shot for the win. Yeah, I was more worried about the win than anything else. And I hate that uh, I started wheel hopping and took Martin and I out. That's the last thing that I wanted to do. Certainly regret doing that. And then ultimately, um, you know, we were in a transfer position and, and didn't get it. So um, just going for the win. You know, it's... Uh, so wins are so important, and um, you know the veteran uh, could have could have taken the safe route and didn't, and unfortunately, you know, took us out out of the playoffs and took out the 78. So that's what Sunday, that's uh, what Jimmy Johnson said on Sunday. Of course, here's what he tweeted earlier today. After sleeping on it, I would only change one thing. I should have added front brake bias heading into the braking zone. I think we would have been door to door at the 78 across the start finish line bring on Dover. And you hear Chad Canals on the radio is telling the spotter, he knows what to do. Just let him be. So, DJ, as a Hall of Fame driver, Jimmy Johnson's winless streak now at over 50 races, and he admits today on social media that if he could do it again, he would ultimately make the same decision again. Yeah, and after thinking about it yesterday afternoon and what maybe I said on uh, our post-race show, wondering why he wasn't thinking more about racing for his eighth championship, it made me realize, and I think Jeff Burton brought this up with you too, uh, that he, he wasn't concerned about that. He realizes that they really haven't had the, the stuff to be thinking about a championship. This was his only opportunity in a long time to go after a win. And that's what he was doing, trying to win the race. We have to appreciate that. This is a seven-time champion doing everything that he can to win the race. And they haven't been to victory lane in a while. He hasn't had this chance. I appreciate, first off, his honesty. Uh, You could see that he was very sincere that he did not like the idea that his spin and his mistake uh, created a bad situation for Martin Truex also uh, in, in that situation. But I, I just appreciate a driver going for, for a win uh, in, in that situation to where, um, you know, I'm sure at that point in time it was more just about that. And, and you know, that, that's what racing's about. That's what competitors do. And, and that's what the very that's why he's one of the very best of all time is because he did everything and always has done everything to try to win. Steve, you heard the radio communication between Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals. Was Johnson well enough informed of what the playoff scenario looked like? 
before that decision? Well, I heard Chad say they were 12 to the good. That's the same number we had when they took the green. Um, you know, should he have counted it down as the 10 car closed in on him? Perhaps. It's easy to say on Monday, I think um, it's important for the driver to have the information. I think it would have been better if he had known exactly how many points it was, but I don't think it would have changed if he would have told him 12 or 7 or 8, and that's really what the number was. He lost eight positions there at the finish. I have to agree with DJ on the fact that um, I think the win for the 48 was more than just a winless streak. I think that Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals know they have not had a championship-type year and sometimes you have to do something to change the momentum. And I think this win could have done that. Playing it conservative and running second, while that does move them into the round of 12, this company and this team did not start the year saying, we hope we make the round of 12. They wanted to win races and win a championship. It's easy to say on Monday, but there's a reason he's won 83 races. And I would, I would have to argue that's the same aggression we've seen for, uh, for the Hall of Famer or soon-to-be Hall of Famer. As soon as he retires, I'd imagine he's going to be a first ballot. I mean, this is a guy that's arguably one of the best ever to sit in a stock car. So I don't think we should judge what he's doing. And in the end, that's why we watch sports. I watch sports for people to try to win, to try to win the game, to try to win the race. Jimmy Johnson definitely tried. Should he have been more informed? I don't think it would have changed his actions. And in the end, uh, you saw the disappointment on his face. I don't think he was more disappointed to be cut out. I think he was more disappointed to lose the race. Yeah, yeah, that's what the, the greatest do in, in, in every sport uh, when they're trying to, to win. They basically want the ball in their hand. And Jimmy Johnson had the steering wheel. He had the opening. All he had to do was execute. He didn't drive in there too hard and was going to try to knock Martin Truex Jr. out of the way. He thought he could get beside him and, and then have a drag race to the start-finish line. That's all that he wanted was that opportunity to do that. And we have to applaud uh, a champion wanting to do that and giving us something to, to really cheer about because that's what he is, is a great champion. Uh, and he tried to just get that one more win, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There was another champion involved, though, yep. uh, who wasn't thrilled about the way that that all ended up. Jimmy Johnson far, in fact, from the only player that was involved in all of those frantic final laps, Eric Amarola, Kyle Larson, able to save their seasons. But Martin Truex Jr. was frustrated after his shot at the win was dashed. We just battled adversity all day, and then that last restart, they told me I was minus six points um, and that I needed to go. And I rifled it down into turn one and wheel hopped and cleared a few of them out and got by, I think, three. And then when we came back to the start-finish line, they told me I needed three more uh, spots. And those last couple laps, I was able to, to get those three spots, and I had one more in my sights, and somebody spun and it was just a cloud of smoke. I couldn't see where I was going, so I, I checked up because the last thing I needed to do was wreck. And so when we come back around, they told me I was tied, and it happened to be just good enough. I'm disappointed we didn't get the win today. Uh, I felt like I had the fastest car. And then we had that restart, and I knew it would be tight through one. Uh, I knew it'd, you know, it wouldn't turn great, but I didn't know we'd all go down there and not be able to turn at all. I'd kind of given up there the last lap i'd seen the 88 made a couple passes and that's who it sounded like we were you know in the points battle there with and uh i'd seen the pylon he'd gained some spots i was knew i was screwed then they said uh they're all crashing over here and i mean it had to be 45 seconds by the time i got back over there so i ran really hard through one and two ran hard through three and four blew right front and hammered the fence and i could see the 96 was still stopped and i knew i needed that point to get to the tiebreaker and Hit the wall again, and uh, thankfully got the got the tiebreaker. He wasn't ever going to make the corner where I, whether I was there or not. So, you know, just uh, desperation on his part, and uh, pretty stupid, really, if you think about it, because he was locked in the next round, and now he's out. So, 
Um, I guess if there's a silver lining, that's it. You never knew what was going to happen today. The restart when the two went straight into turn one was crazy. And, you know, just trying to survive. And we were in the right spot. We did everything right. We got spun out twice. And there's nothing you can do about guys running you over. What's your reaction to Martin Truex Jr.'s frustration? Okay, I didn't have a problem with what Jimmy Johnson did trying to win the race, and I have no problem with his frust- with Martin Truex Jr.'s frustration. He did nothing wrong. I mean, he did everything that he could to put himself in a position and take advantage of the situation that he was in. It was just unfortunate uh, that Jimmy Johnson's car, as it spun through this turf, uh, it didn't slow it down any and caught Martin in the right rear corner and, and cost him a victory. And as a driver, that's the worst thing. You're looking at the checkered flag. He's thinking when he knows that Jimmy's out of control, he's not even thinking about Jimmy Johnson coming back and hitting him here. So the, the frustration level, you know, we get to these drivers very quickly. Uh, we're fortunate to do that. And when you have a win taken away from you, um, you know, there, I, I was surprised that he wasn't more vocal than what he was, but uh, he was pretty stern in what he said. And, and I realized Jimmy Johnson's a seven-time champion, but you know, he made a mistake there, and it cost Martin Truex on the other end of it. He did apologize to the 78 on social sure. media. Jimmy Johnson did after it was over. and Not yeah. that that can go back and undo anything that happened over the course of the race. Steve, there's also playoff points involved, and you consider what has happened with furniture we're racing. It felt like maybe there was more to this. It, it just it gave me an overall sense of frustration. Did it strike you that way? Well, I think it is a driver who's focused on Miami. It's a driver who's focused on a championship. And he saw five playoff points a few hundred feet out off the front of his race car with that checkered flag. We just showed how important five points could be. We don't know what's going to happen at Dover. We still have Talladega coming up. We still have Martinsville in the round of eight. There's so many unknowns that Martin Truex Jr. is mad because he did what he thought he had to do to win the race. And Jimmy Johnson's actions took him out. I don't have a problem with what Jimmy did. I don't have a problem with... Martin Truex's reaction at all, and I can assure you that if you think that is an upset interview, I would watch the next seven races because that's not going to be anything compared to what we're going to see before we get to Miami. Yeah, and there's I think a lot there's, on the line. Yeah, and there's one other thing: you don't get a chance to do have first. You know, when the sport's this old, there's not many things you can say you were the first to do this. And Martin Truex Jr. wanted to have that first trophy from the Roval, and, and it was right there in front of him. There's a lot of pride that goes into that. So a lot of things that were there uh, within those words. And what's your assessment now of where Kyle Larson goes from here? I mean, you can't <laughs> show the video of that damage enough and <laughs> no. the work that his team did to put that back together. This could have been a dramatically different day for Kyle Larson. Yeah, there's no doubt. And he had a great day, you know, until that restart with six laps to go when they all went down in there and couldn't get their cars to turn. So for him to be up for his crew to, to do the job that they did just to get this car back to where he could drive it off a of pit road and, and drive it around there and hit the walls and do all of this. Yeah, you know, they may look back, you know, and if they get the homestead with an opportunity to win the race and they go on and look at being the – if he comes out of this as the champion in 2018, just think back to the work this crew did. Uh, Steve was talking about them just a few minutes ago. The, the work that they were able to accomplish in a short amount of time could be a championship-winning move. It's like every single moment, Steve, becomes cumulative for whatever driver is going to win this championship. It absolutely does, and I believe that Kyle Larson and his 42 team will be stronger. And What did he say? Hey, I kind of gave up. And that was kind of admitting that maybe he lost for a moment there, lost his – you know, the sight of the prize and was fortunate enough to still come back to him. I don't think that's a mistake he's going to make again. Now, I don't think it'll be a wrecked car scenario, 
but maybe it'll be for ninth at Dover, or maybe it'll be for 15th at Talladega. You don't know where that point is going to matter. I'll be the first to tell you, I had Carl, Kyle Larson picked as the champion. I feel better about that pick today because I think <laughs> what happened on Sunday is going to make this 42 team tougher. And if they can get to Miami, that is a great track for the 42. All right, coming up, history not just made in Charlotte this weekend at the Roval. We're going to be joined by 17-year-old Haley Deegan, who became the first woman to win in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series this past Saturday. She is here with us, and she's next on NASCAR America. Stay with us. to win a K&N Pro Series race last night. Oh my God, this has to be the best day of my life right here. I don't think it gets any better than this. A huge weekend for her dad, Brian Deegan, the whole family. How many days, how many hours I put into this, how much work I've done to get to this moment. So I think it answered the question that Beyonce asked, who runs the world? Girls, that's right. This is the happiest day of my life. We did it! Woo! I know Haley Deegan runs the weekend. She did on Saturday night. She joins us now in Charlotte. Haley, thanks for being with us. Such a pleasure to talk to you on Sunday and also today here on NASCAR America. What has the reaction been like from your point of view to what happened this weekend? Oh, my gosh. I think after watching that video right there, I'm all amped up again. It's <laughs> just like reliving the moment. I don't know. That... After that race, just everything going on, it's just been crazy. Just trying to keep up with social media has been crazy. But honestly, it's a privilege. Like, not many people get this opportunity, and I'm taking advantage of it as much as I can. Did you ever imagine? Like, so, so my son races, and any kid that plays sport, you know, you imagine, uh, you know, the ninth thing of the World Series or winning your first mm -hmm. race. Did you ever have a chance before this win to kind of close your eyes and dream what it would be like? Oh, there is, like... I think the night before the race, I was, like, in bed, like, stressing out. Like, what if it came down? Like, I'm in second, last lap, and I was, like, telling my mom and dad, like, what I was going to do. And it just so happened, worked out exactly like how I told them. And I was like, what's the chances of that? Well, I was on Jeff Gordon's team when the bump and run was defined in Bristol. And uh -huh. I can say that if I know Jeff, he's going to be very impressed with that move. <laughs> uh, DJ, that's about a good a bump and run that you can accomplish. Yeah, I, I don't know how you do it any better. And as I look at Haley sitting there, I'm thinking – that can't be who was in that race car. But what an outstanding job you did there. My question to you is, I know a lot of uh, your efforts uh, in driving have been on dirt, and, and you had a great run at Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. What's it been like to adjust to the asphalt racing? Yeah, the asphalt, it's a totally different game. The dirt racing I came from, though, it's like, that stuff makes you, like, tough. Like, yeah. I went back to an off-road race a couple months ago. I think it was, like, last month. And... That stuff, like, it's rough. Like, you're beating and banging. People are flipping all around you. Right. And there's, like, you're getting roosted. You're pulling 10 tear-offs in, like, one corner. And it's just crazy. Everything that's flying at you, all these different, like, terrains. And mm -hmm. in the stock racing, everything slows down. So I think off-road racing's helped me a ton with that just because of how long the races are, how you have to kind of pace yourself. So I want to know, anytime somebody wins something cool with social media, or what's the coolest tweet or the coolest person? Or what, what, what has been one that you've opened and just surprised that this person has reached out? I think the coolest one was this, uh, not this morning, last, yesterday morning, uh, the morning after the race. I woke up and like on the top of my phone it says, Kyle Bush tweeted you. And I was like, no way. That is pretty <laughs> sick right there. <laughs> well, you have a, a relationship with Toyota. You mentioned Kyle Bush. And I've heard you mention Kyle Larson. Who do you look at? Like our mentors or heroes in racing? Who, who do you look at for some inspiration? Yeah, I think there's a lot of drivers. There's not like exactly one driver where I'm like, he's the one. I think there's 
a lot of different drivers, a lot of things I like about him. Like, I love Kyle Busch's aggressive racing on the track. Like, I just love how aggressive he is. He doesn't take it from anyone. And Kyle Larson, love his smooth driving style, how he go, comes from the dirt racing. And you see it show. And he makes yeah. this equipment that's not the A-plus best equipment look like A-plus equipment. And Jimmy Johnson, like how he came from off-road racing, of course. <laughs> Caroline, I think she's ready for the uh, the Roval. She uh, had the excitement. <laughs> I think the Roval would have fit her style I, perfectly. Yeah, I wanted to be out there so bad. It was killing <laughs> me watching it from the plane. <laughs> well, it gave me a headache from the booth, without a doubt. So, so give the the world that gets to meet you for the first time kind of your background. You mentioned the dirt racing. Now you're in K&N. Mm -hmm. where, where did you grow up? We all know your father. He's so popular in the motocross and the X Games. How did you end up in a K&N car? Yeah, so I got my start in racing when I was eight years old. Um, when my dad made the transition from freestyle motocross to off-road trucks, I was that little seven-year-old on the fence. I was like, Dad, you got to get me one. Please, Dad. And uh, for my eighth birthday, he ended up getting me a truck. And ever since then, I fell in love with it. I've won uh, two championships in the Soil Series. Uh, only girl to ever won championships there, which is pretty cool. Um, but we were the driver to beat back in Soil Series. So that was a pretty cool feeling. And Especially making the transition to K&N, which it's difficult. It's yeah. hard. It's a challenge. And that's what I wanted when I made the transition. And just going and getting better and better each race. And then all of a sudden coming into this weekend and having that target on our back. That is, that's what I want. That's the feeling I want is knowing that target's on my back and people want to beat me. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt the target will be there. <laughs> Hey, is the, oh, go ahead, Carolyn. Sorry. Hey, let me just jump in with something, Haley. Um, you know, when you spend time with you and you talk to, and you talk to you for just, I don't know, five minutes, you realize how competitive you are, <laughs> how much you love racing. It's in your blood. It's a part of your family, like Steve mentioned. And yet this story has grabbed a significant amount of headlines because you are a young woman. And I wonder how you navigate that in a sport dominated by men. There are a lot that are. Um, and how much that weighs on you having to figure out what part of that you like and what part of that you'd like to discard and focus on first and foremost winning these races and accomplishing your goals yeah i mean it's awesome everything that comes through in social media like being the first girl to do this breaking down some barriers like that's really cool but in the end when i put my helmet on i put my helmet on the same way everyone else does and i get on that track and i race everyone just as hard as they race me i don't race you any differently uh who you are and i think that People shouldn't race me differently for who I am. Yes, there's those guys that don't want a 17-year-old girl beating them, but <laughs> in the end, like, it happens. And I think that just going out there and being aggressive, and I don't think of myself like, yeah, I'm, I'm that girl that got second at the race before. So I'm like, I went out there, and I was at that dirt race. I was bummed. Like, I got second, and watching the guy in victory lane just getting, like, doing donuts, and that, that stuff, like, it burdens on you. And... <laughs> Coming to this weekend, I was like, I got a rebound. Like, this is like my rebound weekend, and we made it happen. Uh, you seem like a young lady that's on a fast pace to make things happen. Have you sat uh -huh. down with your dad and, and others around you and, and decided on kind of a program how long you might want to stay in K&N and then move forward? Uh, is our trucks something you're looking at in the very near future? Yeah, I mean, right now, I think that uh, Toyota's done a really good job with their development program in kind of figuring out, like, what we're going to do. But we don't necessarily have a set-in-stone plan for next year. It would be cool. I mean, like, if we want our race in K&N to go back and go for a championship, that would be really cool. But right now we have nothing set in stone, so we'll see this where this next year takes us, I guess. <laughs> I'm getting information, DJ, because with uh -huh. her excitement and her competitive drive, I, she could drive something I worked on at any time. <laughs> How about the balance... Uh, Carolyn brought up being a female in the sport. I want to talk about just being a kid mm -hmm. in a sport, in, in a sport that we just saw Jimmy Johnson 
battling, you know, a bunch of adults is what we see racing. What's it like to be a teenager and get to race? I mean, you go out there and it's the same thing. Being a girl, being a teenager, it does not matter when you are on that track. People never give you slack. Say you get second, they're like, oh, well, she's four years yeah. younger than the guy that won. They don't care about that. They care who ends up in victory lane. And I think that's one thing, whether I'm racing against guys that are 30 or guys that are 16 or girls, whoever it is, in the end, we are racers out there going for a win. Well, Haley, thank you so much for being on the show. For everybody watching at home, if you want to see the race, you can do so right here Friday at 1 p.m. We're going to have that for you on NBCSN. Wish you the best of luck. We all have a feeling that this is not going to be the last time that we speak to you. Congratulations on such a huge weekend. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Um, Haley, of course, a winner this weekend. Uh, there are a number of playoff drivers in the Cup Series with no such luck. However, Sunday's fourth place finish, just the third top five of the year for Alex Bowman. But it was enough to secure a spot in the round of 12. So coming up next, we're going to examine what led to this playoff first time or keeping his title hopes afloat. Take a look at the round of 12 drivers by team. All four of the Stuart Haas drivers are through. All three of the Penske drivers still in contention. Hendrick has two and very nearly had three, but for Jimmy Johnson's final lap wreck. Perhaps the biggest surprise here, just one driver for Joe Gibbs Racing has advanced. Not sure we thought that at the beginning of the year, but this is where we are. So, Steve, let's talk about a pair of drivers that we haven't discussed yet, those being Alex Bowman and Clint Boyer. You've got Bowman making his playoff debut. He was certainly a focus on Sunday. What do you make as a crew chief of his crew chief, Greg Ives' decision to pit while running 15th with 21 to go? Well, I mentioned it on the broadcast, and I want to applaud Greg Ives again. Alex Bowman, Clint Boyer and Ryan Blaney for about 20 laps were nose to tail working through traffic, and it was basically a heavyweight battle toe-to-toe on who was going to flinch first. And in the end, Greg Ives completely flipped the battle, and he went from defense to offense. He called his driver on pit road with 21 laps to go. They didn't have to come. They didn't need fuel, but he knew everybody might have to pit. He was aggressive. He came, gave his tire or fresh tires to his driver. And I think a young guy like Alex Bowman, who after the race admitted the nerves and the pressure of the playoffs, I think Greg Ives perhaps maybe calmed those nerves by saying, I believe in you. I'm going to bring you to pit road. I'm going to give you those tires. Now you go earn us those points. You go transfer us into the round of 12. Let's not sit back and see if somebody will make a mistake. Let's force everybody to try to beat us. I love the call. Yeah, when I saw this happen, I was wondering, okay, he's forcing the others' hands here. So we saw the 12 come, the 14 come after that, and I said, okay, now it's in this young man's hands. What's he going to do with it? You know he had to be a little bit nervous even before he said that after the race and let us in on that, but 
He took these tires and he drove the hell out of this race car. I mean, he was passing people in places we didn't know that you could actually pass. And what a great job he did. But it was that call to give his driver the tires and the confidence to go out there and get the job done. And he drove his way into the next round. Such a simple decision, but to give him the confidence yeah. to go do that's remarkable. Clint Boyer's usually not lacking confidence. <laughs> he doesn't no. lack much of anything. Um, what do you think are his chances moving forward into the round of 12, specifically with the tracks that are featured there and how they suit him? Yeah, I think if you looked at this whole thing before the playoffs started, you said that first round was going to be his most difficult. Turned out to be very difficult for a lot of people. But let's take a look at the round of 12. I think this fit. Clint Boyer to a T. Dover, he finished second back in the spring to his teammate Kevin Harvick, who nobody could beat uh, the first part of the year. Then he goes to Talladega. Uh, if he doesn't win at, at Dover this weekend, he ha is a former winner at Talladega. And then his home track at Kansas. So I think this lines up really well for him to move on into that next round of eight. One of the things we have to mention when we're talking about Sunday is this is actually chapter two of the Roval's history books because Saturday yeah. night featured a great race. Ryan Blaney, not the only winner on the Charlotte Roval. Well, that belonged to Chase Briscoe, 23 years old. He's been running a part-time schedule in this season. And in the Xfinity Series on Saturday, stole the spotlight from the playoff contenders, captured that first career series win for Stuart Haas Racing. What a moment. Uh, it's just incredible. He had, had great racing. Uh, he did a good job, got out front. Uh, they made good strategy calls. Everything just worked out for them. Briscoe is actually going to join us on NASCAR America tomorrow. It is a jam-packed show. Also includes NASCAR revealing the 2019 rules package. DJ, Stephen, Jeff all going to help break that down. We'll also have scandal from the Charlotte Roval. And on Wednesday, Joey Logano is the guest for the full hour. Wednesdays with Dale Jr. Great week ahead leading up to Dover. We'll be right back with more NASCAR America after this. Welcome back, everybody. We mentioned Indiana native Chase Briscoe, 23 years old, picking up a huge win in the Xfinity Series over the weekend. It was a great moment to start things off at the Roval. But back to Sunday, let's give Ryan Blaney's Cup team some props with our picker review. It'll be a fight for the finish line. Ryan Blaney in the 12 will win. I'm Ryan Flores, front tire changer of the uh, 12 car driven by Ryan Blaney. These boys today uh, really did a great job. This track's a little bit different than what you usually are used to uh, fighting for a position. You just got to make sure you get it right the first time down here. And uh, we did that, kept them in the race. Jeremy and Ryan executed on, uh, we got a little lucky on the last lap. So we'll take it and uh, move on to the next round. That's a bunch of really good tracks for us. And uh, we'll see how deep we can go in these playoffs, try to contend for a championship at Homestead. Ryan Flores and the 12 crew made their last stop for Ryan Blaney with 20 laps to go Sunday. At that point, Blaney was fighting for one of the last spots in the round of 12. But through all that drama, he stayed in position to advance. And then the door opening in the last corner for him to take the victory. The reactions to the finish were incredible. They are part of today's social pit stop. Woo! <laughs> 
about fan reaction like I feel about bloopers. I could watch that on a continuous loop all day long. And overwhelmingly yeah. on social, the feedback was very positive. Oh, I don't see how it couldn't be. That was <laughs> exciting. I actually thought that first part was just from our two booths that we had with everybody. Because they were so excited. Kyle and I jumping up and down. and It was crazy. My favorite is the fan with his hands on his head just processing. <laughs> everybody was just processing what had happened. Um, coming up, we are going to see who among our NBC broadcasters earned bragging rights after Sunday's race at the Roval. And we're going to look ahead to the rest of the postseason. Huh. It's pretty packed. We're just getting started. Dover's coming at us fast. So who has the edge moving forward? Stay with us. Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. NASCAR playoffs continue at the Monster Mile. Our coverage from Dover starts Friday right here on NBCSN. That leads up to Saturday's elimination race for the Xfinity Series. Sunday, round of 12, beginning in the Cup Series. You do not want to miss a single lap. You can find everything on NBCSN. A quick look at NASCAR Fantasy Live here. So with the opening round of the Cup playoffs in the books, Marty Snyder, a commanding lead among the broadcasters. However, even though he's got a 48-point edge on second place, Lee Diffie, Jeff Burton, Kyle Petty, Steve is inside the top five. It's been a very competitive, trash-talking filled season for us on our NASCAR (laughs) America Fantasy team, but before we wrap up for the day and before we put the Roval in the books officially and look ahead to Dover, see final thoughts on what we witnessed this weekend. Well, I think we should all be thankful to uh, Marcus Smith, SMI, Speedway Motorsports. They own eight different tracks, Charlotte, Texas, Sonoma, a bunch of racetracks. The gamble they took by converting Charlotte into a road course, the amount of money they spent to work the infield, they continue to make adjustments after the test. DJ, they continue to make adjustments after practice. (laughs) I think it should be applauded. The fans supported it. The drivers came out and put a great show on. But I think Marcus Smith deserves a lot of credit for what we saw this weekend. Yeah, it takes a lot to do something, especially that drastic. But it all worked out. The fans filled the stands. More people I've seen in Charlotte in a long time. And, and a great event. The drivers did their part, too, on putting on a great Could show. Could you imagine if they didn't move that tire wall back? Oh my I don't God. think anybody would have survived the weekend. It was a really fun watch. That's all for NASCAR America today. You can always log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. Back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern, our usual time with Scan All Charlotte Roval. Oh, man, that's going to be good. Thanks for watching. We'll see you then at 5. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.